Hey, I want to interrupt real fast to let you know that yes, ABA Ultimate Showdown's parent company, Graham Behavior Services, is an approved ACE provider, and a bunch of our rounds now count for continuing education credits. Great content and CEs, it's like the perfect combination. And it also supports us in developing and continuing the publication of this podcast. So thank you for your support. This episode will count for one ethics continuing education hour. Woo, ethics. In order to earn it, you're going to have to hop on over to our website, grahambehaviorservices.com slash showdown and enter the very first code word, which is, drumroll please, mango. Did you know that not only did mangoes originate in India, India is also the world's biggest producer of mangoes. When I used to live in Hawaii and the Kona winds would uh, knock the mangoes off the trees, people would bring them into work and we'd have a ton of mangoes. The code word, first code word is mango, M-A-N-G-O. Check out our other rounds to earn CE credits from your car, couch, run, or garden. We've got those elusive ethics and supervision credits, so let ABA Ultimate Showdown help you reach that magic 32 hours. And all of your support, again, will allow us to keep bringing you quality, thought-provoking content. So seriously, thank you so much. We really appreciate your support. Now, back to myself. Welcome to ABA Showdown, <laughs> quarantine style. So we are here in a different format than we usually are. We're on Zoom, so we are recording. So thanks, Karen Jill, for being here. Um, some background on ABA Ultimate Showdown. We are a podcast promoting constructive, respectful, and professional discourse to advance the field of behavior analysis. This is our ninth round, round nine of the showdown. And this round is going to center around the challenges to ethically and effectively market ABA services. And you guys are experts on this, so I'm super stoked to have you. Um, as always, I want, to, <laughs> I want to stress that while we are not experts on, ex, quote unquote, experts on these specific topics we discuss, we are lifelong learners. We're always looking to gain more knowledge. So during this debate, we're going to construct arguments for both sides. We're going to present our audience with a comprehensive, balanced view of two sides of this controversial topic. So participating today are Jillian D. Tiberius, representing the pro side, and Kara Graham, representing the con side, and I am your host, Megan Miller, a clinical supervisor in BCBA with Graham Behavior Services. So a little background, I was born and raised on the Jersey Shore. I graduated with a special education undergraduate degree from the College of New Jersey, TCNJ, um, my, one of my favorite places. I spent the first 12 years of my career working as a special education teacher in Hawaii and in uh, two districts in New Jersey. Um, then I specialized in, in high incidence disabilities, emotional disturbance at Kane University while I got my master of arts degree. Um, I received my postgrad cert from an ABA from Penn State University and I'm also certified as an emergency medical technician or EMT in New Jersey. Um, anytime and I'm not with my clients or producing the, our podcast or working with parents, I'm spending with my husband, my three little dudes and my incredible family and friends. So that's just a little bit about me. Jill, can you, you want to share a little bit about yourself? Meg, I feel sure. like every time we do this, you are adding another child each recording. <laughs> it used to be one, then it was two, and now we're on to three little point. dudes. <laughs> excellent, excellent point. I just kind of pick them on the side of the road. I'm like, hey, I'll take 
it's marking how long you've been doing the podcast. Exactly. How many you add every time. Um, <laughs> I hope it's not exponential though, like every nine episodes. Oh god. <laughs> it's gonna be like in my ten little guys. <laughs> my entire football team over here. <laughs> Uh, well, all right. I'm Jillian DeTiberius, a BCBA. I'm the clinical director of Graham Behavior Services. I'm a BCBA and I graduated with my undergrad in psychology from Rowan University and my master's in ABA from Caldwell University. I've worked in public and private schools and with individuals with uh, challenges, behavioral challenges in home and in their communities for the past 10 years. I also have three little kids, but three girls. So that is a difference. <laughs> okay, they'll be good like prom dates in years. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> they can match up perfectly. <laughs> All right, Carrie, you're up. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so I am Cara Graham. I'm also a BCBA and I am the um, owner and founder of Graham Behavior Services. Um, I'm a board certified behavior analyst. I received my master's degree in special education from Kane University and I completed my BCBA coursework um, through Caldwell University. Um, a lot of the work that I do focuses on providing home and community-based services to uh, children and adults with developmental disabilities. Um, and I also serve as the chair for the New Jersey ABBA Insurance, Medicaid, and Business Practices Workgroup. Um, I also have two little kids, uh, one boy and one girl. So I'm a little bit like both of you. You like split the difference between <laughs> the difference. us. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, between thinking about this earlier, we have eight children. So, wow. be quite a daycare. We could run a daycare. Okay. Just any minute. Any of them are going to be running around in here. <laughs> I have it myself locked in my bedroom, so I hope I, not. I can for the day, for the afternoon. <laughs> All right. So we are going to start with some uh quick background sorry about the technical difficulties you know quarantine and covid we are all recording <laughs> remotely um, all right Karen, jill and i worked together to research uh relevant sources for this podcast so each source we're going to cite in the show notes and that's going to be found at graham like graham cracker graham g-r-a-h-a-h-a-m behaviorservices.com uh backslash showdown i want to send a big thank you to judy burke who did a uh, judy burke who did a majority of the research for the pro side so thanks so much judy all right, so always, um, today's debate will include a coin toss to determine speaking order. Uh, each debater is going to have equal structured speaking time, and you each will have an opportunity to ask and respond to questions. Uh, we have a whole introductory episode outlining how we establish the format, but it's also on our podcast show notes page. So if you're interested in learning more, go visit there. And I want to emphasize our most important modification to traditional debate formats. There's no winner and there's no loser. Our intention is to present a different point of view of a controversial topic that you may not have previously considered. We're aiming to disseminate the science in a constructive way by sharing knowledge and respect. We're all about advancing the field of behavior analysis, and we want to do that in a well-informed, taken in a well-informed and ethical direction. So the motion for this episode is going to be, it is possible to ethically and effectively market ABA businesses within the guidelines. Jillian's going to represent the pro side of the debate. Uh, that there are enough resources for BCBAs and certified staff accessing um, in, in regard to accessing uh, caseload and, and um, sharing marketing strategies. Um, Carol will represent the con side that there are not adequate resources for BCBAs and those working, <laughs> those working in ABA. 
manage their caseload, potentially leading to ethics violations and even um, potentially to burnout. So I wanna outline um, some terms that Karen, Jill, and I are gonna use throughout the debate so that we're all kind of on the same page. We're gonna start with some acronyms. The BACB, I'm sure that most listeners know, but this is the Behavior Analyst Certification Board. It's a non, it's a quote, nonprofit 501c3 corporation established in 1998 to meet pro professional credentialing needs identified by behavior analysts, governments, and consumers of behavior analysis services, end quote. And that's according to their website. Its mission is to, quote, protect consumers of behavior analysis services worldwide by systematically establishing, promoting, and disseminating, disseminating professional standards of practice, end quote. Uh, their current CEO is Dr. Jim Carr, and uh, Dr. Bridget Taylor, New Jersey shout out, um, is the current president. All right, our next, our next acronym is APBA, the Association of Professional Behavior Analysts is a 501c6 nonprofit organization whose mission is to, quote, promote and advance the science-based practice of applied behavior analysis according to their website. The website outlines, quote, uh, end quote, and then start quote, uh, needs that are explicitly professional in nature and meeting them requires an organization focused on professional practitioner interests, end quote. It defines itself as, quote, an international organization for professional practitioners that can pursue the collective interests of state, provincial, and national organizations with organizations representing other professions, with government agencies, and through the political process, end quote. It was actually founded in 2007, and its original board of director, directors uh, include well-known researchers in the field, including Dr. Gina Green, Dr. John Bailey, and Dr. Jerry Shook, the founder of the BACB. All right, next up, ABAI, the Association for Applied, uh, I'm sorry, the Association for Behavior Analysis International. And that was actually founded in 1974. Did you guys know that? Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so their website states that it's, quote, the primary membership organization for those interested in the philosophy, science, application, and teaching of behavior analysis, end quote. So APBA defines ABAI as the, uh, quote, field scholarly and scientific organization, including basic and applied researchers, as well as practitioners, end quote. It provides resources like a membership publication, access to journal articles, job placement, special interest groups, affiliated chapters worldwide and events, um, which even include their annual conference held traditionally in May, uh, unless there's COVID and then who knows. All right, uh, next up, BHCOE stands for the B, uh, Behavioral Health Center of Excellence, which is quote, an international accrediting body created to meet accreditation needs specific to the delivery of behavior analysis, end quote, as that's defined by their website. Founded in 2015, their mission is, quote, to dramatically improve quality of care for patients across the world through the accreditation of organizations providing behavior analytic services, end quote. Their core values include a transparent process, ethical practice, collaborative problem solving, and balanced representation. Um, it is important to note, though, that there's a flat fee for the evaluation based on the size of the agency and the number of locations. Dr. John Bailey, uh, author of the Cornerstone Ethics Books for Behavior Analysts, sits on that BHCOE board of directors. All right, so the, the BACB publishes the Professional and Ethical Compliance Code for Behavior Analysts, and that will be frequently referenced throughout this podcast. There's a link to that code in our show notes. We recommend that every behavior analyst, all practitioners working in the ABA field really need to be fluent in the content of this code. Um, all right, so a term that we're going to use a lot that's not covered in ABA coursework is marketing. 
The American Marketing Association defines marketing as, quote, the activity set, the activity set of instruction, uh, institutions, and processes for creating, communicating, delivering, and exchanging offerings that have value for customers, clients, partners, and the society at large, end quote. So basically, anything you do to tell people about your business. So this is fly, what, flyers, brochures, TV, radio commercials, right? Influencers, establishing relationships, websites. There's tons of ways to market your company. Um, we're going to define social media according to uh, the definition given by the Balanced Small Business website. Um, and they define it as, quote, any digital tool that allows users to quickly create and share content with the public. It encompasses a wide range of websites and apps, end quote. That includes Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, TikTok, Yelp. I could probably continue to list social media <laughs> sources for like 10 minutes, but um, basically the premise is that anyone can create and share content with their users instantaneously. There are a few restrictions uh, to what is shared. There's really not many at all, and um, users typically have access to free membership. Um, all right, Karen and Jill will make an important distinction between BCBA owned companies and privately owned companies. So privately owned companies are just going to be ones that are owned by people who are not BCBAs. So they will discuss that a little bit. Um, and there are also some other references for business owners in the show notes that I don't think Karen and Jill uh, plan on referencing specifically, but they include the Council of Autism Services Providers and also the Business of Behavior podcast and associated Facebook group. Um, uh, and we'll list a few others too, just so that um, people have a, a lot of resources because that's why uh, we pride ourselves in, in arming people with a lot of research. Um, so in order to prep this debate, we posted in the AVA Marketplace Facebook group for feedback from business owners back in April. So thank you to everyone there who participated. Um, okay, all right, I think all of that is done. Definition's done, so now time for the fun. We're gonna start with a coin toss. Um, Yay. The coin toss, yeah. So you guys are actually gonna see how I make the coin toss sound so good in our podcast. Uh, <laughs> all right, so winner's gonna decide whether to speak first or second. Heads goes to Jillian, representing the pro side. So your head's still. Uh, tails goes to Kara, representing the con side. Here's my quarter, and here's my cup. So here it goes. Ah. <laughs> I put it in a cup. A glass. <laughs> All right, here it goes. And the winner is heads. All right, heads goes to Jillian. Oh, right. yay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I never usually win. Oh, my God. Okay, so I think I will present second. So I'll okay. go in a second. So Kara, right. you could get us started. <laughs> All right, awesome. So Kara first, you're gonna do the con side first and you're um, gonna give your opening remarks. You're gonna discuss the point, basically that it's very difficult for behavior analysts to ethically and effectively market their ABA businesses while staying within those ethical guidelines. So again, Kara, the motion is, it is possible to ethically and effectively market ABA businesses within the guidelines. Thank you, Megan. All right. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's get started by just talking about running a business. Uh, running a business is not an easy matter. Um, there are so many components that need to be thought through and managed. Staffing, schedules, finances, I could go on and on and on. Um, this is particularly true when running an ABA company. Um, given the ability for our science to result in tremendous behavior change, it's imperative that we behave ethically and don't take advantage of individuals in need of our services. As a business owner and as a BCBA, I wear two hats. Um, 
I have to be thinking about the business and the finances and the staffing and HR and all those components. But as a BCBA, I also need to make sure that I'm uh, making decisions that are ethical and clinically appropriate for our clients. Um, so I'm always making sure that my, my BCBA hat comes first. Um, there's many times where there are business decisions that need to be made where the solution for the business is not the most ethical decision to make as a BCBA. Um, and as a BCBA, our ethical code is important to me. It holds our field to high standards and I'm proud of that. Um, however, our ethical code does not apply to all ABA businesses. Only businesses, only ABA businesses run by BCBAs. So with more and more venture capitalists buying up ABA businesses, it makes it difficult to compete because they do not need to follow our ethical guidelines. Um, they're able to make those decisions that are in the best interest of the business that may or may not be in the best interest of the client or even of our employees. Um, according to the BACB Compliance Code 8.05, um, one of these areas is testimonials. So BCBAs um, uh, or behavior analysts don't solicit or use testimonials about behavior analytic services from current clients. Um, for, you know, whether it's going to be on their website or on print materials or any electronic materials. Um, testimonials from former clients, um, you can get testimonials, let me clarify, you can get testimonials, but they have to be from former clients and they have to identify whether they were solicited or unsolicited um, and include kind of an accurate statement about the relationship that the, the behavior analyst had and the author of the testimonial. So really, that's a lot of information that needs to be included if you're going to use a testimonial. It needs to have the testimonial. It needs to say that they are a former client, what the relationship is, and whether you solicited that testimonial or whether it was unsolicited. Um, and that's, you know, if you're a BCBA and you want to use testimonials. Um, and this is a super effective way to uh, get consumers to trust your brand. Uh, according to an article in Newswire called Trust in Advertising, Paid, Owned, and Earned, 92% of people will trust a recommendation from a peer and 70% will trust a recommendation from someone that they don't even know. And I know even personally, this is absolutely true. If, you know, I'm looking for uh, a pizza or a plumber or a podiatrist for my husband, I'm going to look online and I'm going to look at procedural <laughs> testimonials. Oh, oh, yep. this looks good. There's a lot of people who are kind of either reviewing it or they have a, a lot to say about using this service. Um, so, uh, you know, I think this is, it's true. This is really a, an effective way to market one's business. But the BACB does not allow testimonials from past clients. And it also, as I said, requires all those additional components. And, you know, this really hugely limits a company's ability to market their ABA services. Um, for example, in our organization, we don't really have very many past clients. Um, you know, we've been in, in business since 2013. So it's a good amount of time, seven years. But a lot of our clients, we're still servicing. Um, they're just still in need of our services at this point, um, which I think is actually a testament that we've, you know, they've been our clients for a long time and they're happy with the service. It would be something that would be wonderful to be able to market and share. You know, if you could post a little testimonial like, been with us for seven years or worked with us for three years happily. Um, those things I think would go a long way. Um, but because as a BCBA, I own the business, I'm not able to use those components. Um, I'm not able to um, market or advertise our business in that way. Um, and I think, you know, for other um, 
BCBA and both own businesses, they're running into the same issue. Um, but for organizations that are non-BCBA owners, they have no restrictions on using testimonials. Um, so I think this really puts BCBA owned organizations at a disadvantage. Uh, one other similar uh, advertising tool is the use of case studies. So um, it's si similar um, in that you're using content and information from some of your um, patients or clients. Uh, these case studies are more like detailed analyses with specific instances or events, um, and they are really a great sales tool that can be utilized. It kind of adds weight to claims that are made. Sometimes there's pictures included about a client or an individual who has utilized the service. Um, but as behavior analysts, we're not allowed to use this. Um, and part of that is uh, it relates to our compliance code for maintaining confidentiality. Um, we must not share uh, or create situations that are likely to result in sharing of uh, identifying information. Um, that's just to kind of summarize the compliance code 2.06 about maintaining confidentiality. So this code really limits the use of any case studies in advertising our services. Um, but again, this really doesn't apply to non-BCBA owned businesses. So they can have, you know, they can really showcase great results that they may have had with a client um, without any of those restrictions. So these are just a few examples of how the BACB compliance code makes it difficult to effectively and ethically market our services as BCBAs. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much, Kara. There was a lot there that I don't think that I would have thought about um, because I don't own a business. So thank you for that, for that perspective. Um, all right, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to move on to Jillian. And Jillian, you're going to give your opening remarks for the pro side of this debate. And you're going to basically state that behavior analysts can stay within the guidelines while ethically and effectively marketing their business. Um, so again, the motion is it is possible to ethically and effectively market ABA businesses within the guidelines. All right. Okay. Thanks so much. And thanks so much for covering that, Karen. Talking about our ethics code and the importance of it to us as a company and to us as BCBAs. The ethical code is very important to me too. So I completely understand what you're saying and the challenges that it presents. Like you said, how do you decide for yourself how to buy a new car, a new computer? How do you buy a new phone? How do you buy anything? If you're like most people and like myself, you talk to your friends. So I know you covered and you mentioned from the Newswire article, a large percentage of people trust a recommendation from a peer. Um, but when people are looking for a service, you also reach out to your friends. So uh, when families are in need and seek out assistance, their first conversation usually is with friends and family. So once they have that conversation with their family and friends, and they know that they're in need of an ABA service provider, those people are usually more than willing to assist in locating a reputable company. And most people find their ABA provider through word of mouth. As long as you are providing a quality service and excellent staff, and have excellent staff, and you have a good reputation, this will work as advertisement. Many of the clients who call have heard of us from someone that they know personally or someone who's currently receiving services. And this is kind of a passive approach to marketing. I can recognize that this is kind of like a sit back approach to marketing. However, it actually requires a ton of work on our end to make sure that we're providing a quality ABA service and creating that good reputation for us in the first place. And while I do not own this business, I do, however, work for an amazing ABA company. Um, it's this one. I, I work for this one. <laughs> I work for GBS. You do? No. 
inspired you. <laughs> um, so I could definitely say that uh, this is a great company to work for. No, not plugging our company Plug. or anything. Uh, <laughs> Plug away. But, but since BCBA owned companies are more inclined to act ethically, so just being owned by a BCBA who's governed by the ethics board, um, this would attract higher quality staff who practice within, within the guidelines, therefore making our services more marketable automatically. And this higher quality staff would create better outcomes for clients, thus creating a more loyal client base. Like you said, most of our clients are still clients. We really don't have a lot of previous clients. And in turn, this would reflect more referrals. So in addition, having an ethically responsible leader, like yourself, uh, leading the company helps. Uh, not all BCBAs are created equally or follow the ethics guideline completely. So trust me, I have seen ABA companies run by BCBAs with testimonials of current clients on their websites. Also being a more mature company, the time and business is on our side. Again, as long as we have been following the BACB compliance guidelines, people will back us up. So building that solid reputation brings us new clients. And as your reputation grows, so will the business. Kara, referring back to what you mentioned, BCBAs cannot ethically share information that can identify our clients on any social media platform. We're also advised against offering suggestions for direct interventions because we're probably not seeing the whole pictures. You can't see something on social media and say, oh, I can fix that, I'm a BCBA. You have to really limit that free advice thing. Uh, however, this isn't stopping anyone from being active on social media. So there are ways to disseminate information without violating the ethical code. For example, uh, one of our BCBAs recently created a really helpful document for parents outlining that PFA and SBT process, which can be a little confusing for parents who maybe don't have experience in the field. Around the same time, we saw someone asking for something similar in the BCBAs using the ISCA Facebook group. And we stuck some branding on the document that we had made and we shared it. And that helped get our name out to professionals. At our recent Autism New Jersey virtual conference, we used the community chat feature to advertise an open job position that we have to post articles related to sleeping, to share with parents that we are using the PFA and SBT treatment, and to disseminate a helpful parent resources document, and to make quality connections with people that reflect on our company. We also connected with other agencies who are using the PFA SBT process and are considering doing a presentation together at NJAPA. In addition, at Autism New Jersey, we at Autism New Jersey, we had our staff give two presentations that were helpful to both parents and professionals. So these are ethical ways to market yourself that are not only free, but will offer resources to help people. Also, we write parent and professionally directed blogs. We create videos for in-house training and for workshops available for sale for both parents and professionals. We host monthly Zoom meetups that are open to any professional and offer continuing education credits. We support nonprofits like Autism New Jersey and Asset. We do a podcast. <laughs> we get our name out there and are seeing a return in regards to attracting quality professionals, as well as finding a large client base who, wants to who want to receive services from us. We are maximizing the virtual platforms now more than ever 
And this is actually assisting us in running a successful business. Quite frankly, if your best practices are in place and you're running a successful ABA business, along with clear, a, clear, a clear quality website and strong social media content, the clients will find you. Definitely takes effort and some creativity, but it is possible. All right, awesome. Thanks so much, Jill. Clear quality. Let's say that 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> that one, tri that um, one tripped me up. <laughs> it's funny because it reminded me of um, when you mentioned about um, like talking to friends about future purposes, uh, purchases. The, like I, I was sitting with my, um, my kids and my father the other day and at the inlet by our house and some guy walks up to our car and was like, hey, uh, this is the uh, Volkswagen Atlas. And I'm like, Maybe keep it social distance. Still. <laughs> yes, we really enjoy it. Good luck with your purchase. I'll keep on walking. But it was wow. interesting how you do find information about like future purchases that you're going to make. Yep. So, all right. All right. So this next segment of our debate is called the crossfire. Uh, both sides are going to have the opportunity to ask and respond to each other's questions. Um, we're going to begin with a question from Kara. And representing the con side of the motion, Jillian representing the pro side will answer and then follow up with her own question. And then this alternating pattern will continue until the end of the segment. So again, the motion is, it is possible to ethically and effectively market ABA businesses within the guidelines and debaters. Please make sure that you answer the question to the best of your ability. So we're in election season, but you need to actually answer it. Uh, <laughs> and ask for clarification if you need it. And as always, keep it respectful. I'm not going to mute anybody, but you guys know it. <laughs> the option is there. <laughs> um, all right. So I will start first. Um, all right, Jill. So although BCBAs have to advocate for clients and educate employers who are not familiar with the ethical code, when their job is on the line, do you think that they will actually advocate for ethical marketing practices. So do you honestly think that BCBs are going to say like, hey, you need to take those testimonials off the website because I'm BCBA and that's outside of, you know, that's not adhering to our, our guidelines? Yeah, that's such a great question. And really, I think ultimately they will, because in the big picture, I believe that you have to follow the code of ethics. As I mentioned before, it's reputation that builds a business and makes it sustainable. So in the end, it will be that individual BCBA's reputation that ruins their business if they do not follow the code of ethics. In fact, if you're licensed as a BCBA, you could lose your license over that kind of situation. And if you, and you could be reported to the board, so your certification could also be in jeopardy. So. I do believe it's in their best interest to actually advocate for ethical practices, even if their job, they perceive their job to be on the line, because not doing so could actually be harmful to their business and to themselves as BCBAs. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my turn for a question. Um, most businesses primarily behave ethically, and your point is that ethics, the ethics code puts BCBAs at a disadvantage when it comes to owning a business. Do you think it is even necessary for the BACB to outline ethical considerations since businesses typically act ethically anyway? Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think that it's true that most of the time, most businesses behave ethically. Uh, I think the issue really just comes down to like those few bad apples that just ruin it for the rest of us. 
Um, you know, for example, you think about the 2008 financial crisis, that was completely the fault of businesses not behaving ethically and only worrying about their bottom line. Um, additionally, unfortunately, our field has a history of people implementing behavior modification practices in really unethical ways. Um, and, you know, maybe that was many years ago, but even more recently, um, there have been instances of BCBAs in New York or Florida who were caught committing insurance fraud when submitting Medicaid claims. So I, you know, as much as we want to say, yes, most people and most businesses behave ethically, I think the BACB compliance code is extremely necessary. Um, the other piece of it is that all behavior analysts also come to the field with different learning histories. So they might not realize that certain behaviors kind of border on unethical without it being spelled out in the compliance code. Um, however, I do think that sometimes the code puts us at a disadvantage, particularly in this instance when it comes to marketing a business, which leads me to my next question. Um, so Jill, when BCBA-owned businesses have to compete with non-BCBA-owned businesses for clients, um, which have less restrictions in their ability to market, wouldn't you agree that the BACB compliance code is putting BCBA-owned businesses at a disadvantage? I definitely see your point. And while I, I might sound like a recording or like a broken record, I'm going to have to go back to mentioning reputation and how it really follows you and your ability to market your business effectively while following the ethical code. Um, there was a really good article on smallbiztrends.com that talked about types of marketing strategies for small businesses. And in it, it gave so many different ideas. For example, social media marketing, word of mouth, SEO, Google My Business, blogs, email marketing, networking in person and online events, social media advertising, YouTube videos, webinar, continuing education courses, so on, so on, so on. Um, there's so many. Uh, with all of these options and only a few restrictions from the BACB, I see how we can interpret that, that the BACB puts BCBA-owned businesses at a disadvantage, but I actually think just being owned by, the, by a BCBA is an advantage because that reputation will follow you and you have many other options that don't conflict with the ethical code. Okay, so that leads me to my question. Uh, given your opinion that the BACB ethics guidelines limits the, the ability to market ABA services, do you think the BACB code should change their ethics guidelines? And if so, how? I'm not sure it's necessary to, to really change the guidelines, um, but maybe like being more proactive in sanctioning companies who are using unethical marketing practices. Um, as you mentioned before, you talked about, you know, uh, ABA companies that have testimonials all over their website without proper yep. references and no negative consequences have come to them. So it kind of raises the question, you know, why am I working so hard at complying with the code that isn't necessarily being enforced all of the time? Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of one piece of it. So, you know, I think the options are either to um, crack down and, and sanction companies who are doing things that are not in um, compliance or maybe just removing some of those aspects of the code if they're not going to active, be actively yeah. um, following up on them. I think that's a great point. Um, okay, so one more question for you. Um, a huge part of effective marketing is social media presence. So this can sometimes include soliciting reviews. Um, but 
sometimes you may not even be able to ask your employees or consumers to do that. So how can you say that social media presence is super important when the code states that you can't really solicit testimonials? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Sure. I think that it's so important because everyone uses social media in some form. My mom, my grandma, every person that you know uses some form of social media. Businesses, it's a great way to connect. However, I do see your point. So you're right. We can't solicit social testimony. Um, we can't solicit testimonials. And that, of course, is a major way that people make decisions by reading what someone else, what someone else's experience was. So I think we can use social media, but we definitely need to be more creative than other businesses. We need to share content that drives people to our website that conveys that we provide a high quality ABA that we have excellent employees and so on. It's definitely challenging, but it is possible. Okay, uh, last question for you, Kara. How can the BACB code be modified to make it more equitable uh, to market for BCBA owned businesses? And do you think that the BHCO BHCOE can help? Um, good question. So I think that perhaps putting the onus on individual BCBAs to make sure that the companies they work for aren't engaging in unethical practices um, would be kind of one way to do it. So um, I know I had kind of said before, like the sanctioning companies, you can't, the BACB can't really do that. You know, like I guess they have to come down on individual BCBAs. Um, if the company that they're working for, the marketing practices violate the BACB ethical code. Um, well, the BHCOE is a great organization and uh, the idea of having businesses get accredited, I think is super smart, but um, not all businesses have to become accredited. Um, additionally, businesses do have to be, do have to pay to be part of this organization. So it does make it like a little bit biased um, and not really completely objective because if you're paying to be part of something that is making the claim That's you're true. a great, you know, you're a great company, there's a little bit of there's some reinforcers there at, at play that can make that not completely objective. Um, uh, also, sometimes the, um, in addition to the fee, there's also the, the cost of time and uh, many as we'll say woman hours, since we're woman owned business, <laughs> um, that it takes to get in compliance with the BHCOE's guidelines. So it isn't always an option for smaller organizations and um, you know, that really shouldn't be the final say if a business is providing good services. Um, so I think something like this is, is, this organization is a great idea, but there's just some components to it that, um, you know, there, there are barriers in making it equitable for all organizations to, you know, kind of get that type of certification. Yeah, excellent points. Yeah, awesome. That was a really awesome discussion, guys. Thank you so much. Um, actually, I was thinking when Kara had mentioned that um, behaviors that border on unethical practices sometimes like have to be spelled out. There's so much in my training that I didn't know was unethical until I started going to professional development and talking to other people. So it's, that right. is really to make sure that, that, um, that BCBAs keep up with all of, all of that, like professional community and, and stuff like that. So, all right. Yeah. So our segment is going to be um, the rebuttal. So Kara, you're going to be representing the con side and you're going to speak first. So whenever you're ready, floor is. Thank you. No worries. Um, all right. So 
I completely agree with your arguments that it is important for BCBAs to follow ethical guidelines. I think we're super in agreement on this. Um, I do just feel that it puts BCBA-owned businesses at a disadvantage. Um, I think that this is especially problematic because it's likely, and I know you had said this before, um, that BCBA-run businesses are often going to care more about the quality of service that clients are receiving over their bottom line. So, which is going to result in better care. So, you know, I'm going to say I think BCBA and own businesses are going to provide better care. So, it's just challenging that there's more restricted, more restrictions for those organizations. Um, you would argue that most refer referrals are through word of mouth or social media. Um, and if you're providing a good service, then you aren't restricted from marketing your business through that avenue. However, there's two problems with this argument. Um, as you mentioned, it would be a passive marketing strategy. So just kind of waiting for people to refer others to your company isn't necessarily the best plan. Um, second, there are some restrictions um, in the compliance code on connecting with families on social media. So 2.06E uh, discusses avoiding situations that are likely to result in sharing of identifying information. So this can kind of get tricky. You know, what if a family member comments on a company's social media page revealing that their child receives services from the company. Um, as a BCBA, you've created a situation where it's likely to result in the sharing of that, the identifying information of that client. If you respond back and say, we're so glad you love our services. Now you're kind of letting all of social media know that this, this family is receiving um, a, a medical service from you. And so really this kind of borders on issues that are related to violating not only the ethical code, but HIPAA regulations. Um, another common, common marketing strategy in healthcare is the use of sales meetings with referring physicians or other healthcare providers. Uh, particularly in the pharmaceutical sales, this is a very effective way to get new products to the market. Um, so these relationships often involve giving of gifts, expensive dinners, other kind of enticements for referrals or pushing of products. Um, while non-BCBA owned businesses are free to use these types of marketing tools, um, behavior analysts are not able to. Um, according to 2.14, um, behavior analysts must not receive or provide money, gifts, or other enticements for any professional referrals. So um, not that I'm disagreeing with this. I think that's probably a good point. We probably shouldn't be giving money or gifts, but um, it's just brings home another point that there's more restrictions on BCBA owned companies than um, non-BCBA owned companies. Um, additionally, BCBA owned companies can't even use their own staff to fully market their services. Um, the same code 2.14 uh, states that referrals should include multiple options and be um, made based on objective determination if the client need and subsequent alignment with the repertoire of the referee. So essentially, even if someone works for a great agency, if they're a BCBA, they ethically can't refer a family to that agency with all, without also giving other options. So um, I think that's something that you know, to really think about and that, you know, highlights how sometimes a, um, the guidelines can restrict um, having individuals access really good quality services. Um, let's see. I think another big issue that I want to kind of address here is that it's difficult as a whole to market ABA therapy services. I think that not only are we competing against you know, non-BCBA owned companies, but also all of us are competing against non-science and non-evidence-based practices. 
Um, so, you know, like those seen on social media or parenting blogs or, um, you know, they're even mass produced in parent literature, like different parents magazines. There are so many gimmicks or quick fixes, treatments that are out there um, that some families are, even when they're receiving a quality ABA service, they'll still be trying these things on the side. So I think that um, even once we have clients, it's only human nature to look for a quick fix, particularly for a problem behavior. So, um, you know, I think ABA is amazing, obviously. Uh, I love seeing data. Um, I love, you know, reviewing data that show how well our clients are doing. Um, but I think the general population isn't really as wowed as behavior analysts are by data. Um, we're just, it's just not that sexy. Um, I also <laughs> think that as a field, we don't really do a good job of marketing ourselves, um, regardless of the client population we're serving. And um, John Bailey also talks about this in um, it's a little bit of an older article, but it's still super relevant. Um, in 1991, uh, he uh, published an article in Java called Marketing, Be uh, Marketing Behavior Analysis Requires Different Talk. Um, and I'm gonna quote him here. He says, what they don't want is a lecture of, behavior, uh, of behavioral evaluation and change. Let's start talking about baseline. Um, <laughs> that they don't have the time and the skills to implement. So thinking about teachers, uh, teachers in my experience won't buy into seemingly uh, uh, mecha um, mecha mechanistic, wow, that's, hard, that's I'm struggling with that word, uh, and uh, deterministic technology of behavior change. This is super foreign to them and inconsistent with the rest of their training. So thinking about teachers are trained a lot like nurses. Their primary goal is to meet the needs of children um, and they aren't convinced if they do so, um, they will have no, and they're convinced if they do so, they will have no behavior problems. So, and I think that's very much, end quote, and I think it's very much the same for parents as well, that um, the way we talk about behavior analysis and we talk about data and, and uh, we don't talk about it in an emotional way. And I think we, it makes it challenging for our con consumers, whether those be teachers or parents to really uh, buy into what we're doing a lot of the time. Um, I think as behavior analysts, we use a lot of technical language and we're kind of rigid. So, you know, I, I know that I struggle with marketing our services, but also remaining ethical and using precise language as a behavior analyst, but also using language that's going to be um, well-received by the public. So um, one example of that would be like, as a company, you're not going to flat out say, or as a, as an BCBA owned company, you're not going to flat out say like your child is bad. We're going to help it. We're going to fix them or your child's challenging behavior is their fault. Um, even though that might be a really effective marketing strategy. And I've actually seen this come up on, on my Instagram from other kind of, uh, I guess like parenting, um, groups or companies that are, um, selling parenting courses or classes. Um, this is going to be an effective marketing strategy to appeal to parents' emotions. But as behavior analysts, and given our understanding of the science, I feel like it's important that we don't make claims like that. Um, so, you know, we have to be, I think, extra creative in terms of developing like taglines or different marketing strategies or how we're going to talk about the things that we're going to do. Um, you know, we can't say like, do you need someone to fix your bad kids? Um, and they take the responsibility off the parents, but it would be unethical as behavior analysts to do that. So on top of everything else, um, I think we have a bigger issue of not marketing ourselves well as a field. 
Um, most people don't know what we are, what we are, um, who we are, what we do, um, that we exist. And I think that makes it difficult for um, physicians or other professionals to refer families to our services. So, you know, the amount of times that I have talked to, you know, potential clients and they've said things like, oh, so-and-so told me I need, I need an NABA. Uh, do you have ABAs on staff? I'm always like, oh, that's not, we have BCBAs, we do ABA. And I know it's terrible because we have so many letters and we're the BACB, there's lots of, lots of letters that all are very similar. And it's not the parent's fault, um, but we as a field need to do a better job of educating the general public about us. Um, in addition to marketing to those who will benefit from our services, I think, and it's, it is part of the ethical code to promote the field. Um, so I think it's something that we need to do a better job of more globally, not just as, in, as individual organizations, but as an ABA field overall. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Kara. I feel like ABA can save the world, right? <laughs> Yay. <laughs> All right. So um, I, it actually was an interesting point, too, that you made that um, ABA professionals really should be heralding and promoting BCBA on businesses because they're maybe more likely to provide those ethical, high-quality services, but those are the businesses mm -hmm. with restrictions. So it's interesting. All right. So um, Jillian, you are up now representing the pro okay. side. You're going to give your rebuttal. So whenever you are ready, take it away. Okay. Oh gosh. Okay. You covered such good information. I completely agree with you on the last part. I know some of my family and people who have known me for a really long time still don't know what I do or what a BCBA is. People that I know and love very much say, what is it you do again? <laughs> uh, the idea that someone would ask for an ABA on staff shows us that we need to do a better job as a field to market our services. So like you said, that's not the parent's fault. It's not my family member's fault that they don't understand what we do. It's a little bit confusing and it's not marketed well from us as a field. If you think about it like that, this is actually a chance that we have to do exactly that in an ethical way. So we can represent ourselves without the risk of divulging client information on social media. In addition, if someone is able to comment on our posts, we don't need to confirm that they're our client or have any response back. So if a family would like to share that information. So if we post something and they say like, oh, I receive services here and they're so awesome. Um, they're allowed to do that. We, you know, they might be just wanting to share what a great experience they've had. We just don't need to confirm. Yes, it's great working with you. We just don't need to confirm that because we need to remain ethical. Um, also to your point about doctors and expensive sales meetings, we could still meet with doctors and present at pediatrician conferences, which we just did, um, without the fanfare, the food, and the expensive gifts, because hopefully they're also medical professionals, and they value quality data and evidence-based services for their patients over receiving expensive gifts for themselves. So I know that's kind of like seeing the best in all people. We're behaving ethically, they're behaving ethically, but I do think most doctors um, would abide by their ethical code and really see that we're providing the best service that we can. Um, so it doesn't prevent us from meeting with them. It just prevents us from kind of giving an elaborate dinner presentation. 
uh, in listening to another podcast, Behavioral Observations with Matt Sicoria, in episode number 15, Matt has Rich Brooks on as a guest. He is not a behavior analyst, but he does have a business and discusses how to reach clients through social media and mobile marketing. Rich discusses how important it is to have an easy to use mobile friendly website. He discussed using Google and he touched on tips that would link searches directly back to your website. This is a great way to get creative, but doing it in an ethical, ethically appropriate way. To be honest, this was a tricky topic to even research because we don't go to school to learn how to run a business, uh, never mind market the business. Of course, we go to school to become BCBAs and you think everything else will follow. So with that said, we did post in the ABA Marketplace Facebook group and got some really interesting responses that would support being able to run a successful business. One post mentioned how not having a BCBA running the business could just see, sorry, one post mentioned how not having a BCBA running the business could see it as a money marketing, uh, money making opportunity. And if they are not properly trained, the simplest things could end up causing problems. So basically saying that by seeing a BCBA running a BCBA business, you're actually seeing it like a positive thing and that's marketing in itself. Uh, having a BCBA business that's not run by a BCBA, you could see as a weakness because you kind of could perceive it just as a money-making kind of opportunity. So those venture capitalists maybe are getting into it for the wrong reason and are not actually providing that quality service and high quality BCBAs and ABA therapists are not gravitating towards that non-BCBA owned business. Also, I want to come back around to something that I talked about in my opening. So we got some data back immediately after our presence at Autism New Jersey. Remember I talked about, we had two presentations, we made a lot of connections with other companies and we exhibited at the conference. So in the week following the conference, 10 people accessed our website from Whova which is the platform the conference was held on since it was virtual this year. Four people came from our website, came to our website from Autism New Jersey's website. And around the same time, we exhibited at a pediatrician's conference, which was also virtual. And that website drove six additional people to our website. So all total, that's an additional 20 people that were sent to our website that now know about our company and our services. Now, trust me, it was a lot of work for us to have a large presence at Autism New Jersey. We had to create presentations. We had to submit them and have them approved. We had to present those and be available to be exhibitors. But with that kind of traffic to our website, it was more than worth it. And it really demonstrates that ethical marketing is possible. Uh, we did also heavily promote our presence there on Facebook and Instagram. So people knew what we were presenting and that we would be there. This is why it's important to have an already developed social media platform and followers. Overall, as long as you are following the BACB compliance code, you probably don't need testimonials from clients. They are more potentially dangerous than they're worth and they can lead to dual relationships which really could impact services in a negative way overall. There is no need for this when we could do many other things that are both effective and ethical. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jill. I feel like those quality conversations with medical professionals probably will do more to promote ABA 
than any of the fancy dinners would, right? So hopefully, <laughs> that's the yeah, idea. Very thought-provoking. All right, so um, this next segment of our debate is the second crossfire. So I, as the moderator, are going to ask the questions of both of you, um, and we'll uh, attempt to keep an alternating pattern of responding. I might ask a question to um, both of you. Um, and debaters, please make sure you answer the question to the best of your ability. Ask for clarification if possible, and as always, keep it respectful. All right, so um, the first question is for you, Kara. How do you think that the creation of the BHCOE both helps and hurts our field as it attempts to successfully market ourse uh, ourselves or itself? Um, so I think that any organization that seeks to create higher standards for ethical and professional behavior um, definitely helps our credibility as a field. Uh, one problem goes back to the general public just not understanding or having knowledge of our field. Uh, most people who are looking for ABA therapy for their children are trying to wrap their heads around like, what is ABA? Um, they aren't checking to see if a business is accredited. Um, another downside to this um, could be kind of how the process plays out in the, in the long run. Um, so take, for example, the college accreditation process. Um, in a 2017 article, um, the Foundation for Economic Education titled um, The Ugly Truth About College Accreditation, it outlines that the accreditation process in education actually creates a lot of red tape and doesn't necessarily improve the quality of education. So, um, and the article kind of ends by saying, quote, in the end, bureaucr uh, bureaucracy gives birth to more bureaucracy, uh, end quote. And so my concern with any accreditation is similar to what I said earlier, that there is some financial incentive for the accreditation program to accredit more and more companies. So we just wanna make sure that we're keeping that in mind when using accreditation for evaluating the ethical and professional qualifications of a company. That's excellent points. Really, really good points, yeah. Yeah. All right, so Jill, I'm gonna ask you a question. So you spoke a lot about using social media for marketing ABA services and shameless plug to our own social media. Um, we, Candace does awesome things with ours. So, <laughs> she does. But how do, you, how do you mediate using social media for marketing while maintaining ethical boundaries in terms of multiple relationships and keeping client information private? Sure, this is such a good question. And like most things, it's a delicate balance. So you need to have quality content that you're promoting on social media, such as blog posts and trainings, if a client writes on your post that they love working with you so much, you have to not write back that you love working with them too, because this confirms that your client, they are your client, and it crosses over the dual relationship testimonial area. You have to be vigilant and careful, but as long as you are sharing content and not reaching out to your current clients, you will be able to ethically and effectively manage your social media. We also have a social media policy for our, our employees, which inadvertently extends to our clients as well. Our employees, including myself, Megan, Kara, we cannot friend any client, we cannot accept friend, requ friend requests from our clients or clients' families. This is to reduce the likelihood of a dual relationship developing on social media and while working. And I actually just explained this to someone today that Families might see it as an opportunity to connect to us as professionals and BCBAs, but we have to remember our personal social media is personal. 
Um, so really we cannot cross that dual relationship line by accepting friend requests and things like that. Um, so that helps keep it separate as well. Yeah. Great points. There's so many gray areas and this is such a new technology that it's really, yep. you have to be really careful and thoughtful when you're kind of navigating it. So great points. Um, all right. So for Kara, as you mentioned in your rebuttal before, um, I agree that behavior analyst has difficulty marketing ourselves in general, right? So people don't know we exist, like you said, and what we do, even our spouses, our parents, my None of my family knows what I do. Um, <laughs> so what changes do you think would benefit our field as a whole? Like how would you, how could we market ourselves better? Good question. Um, you know, I think first off, I think we've kind of set ourselves up for a difficult situation. Um, and part of that is having two separate professional organizations. So we have APBA and we also have ABBA-I. And the reason this is an issue is that it causes funding from membership to be spread out across the two organizations. Um, it's also likely that people don't join or let their memberships lapse because they're conflicted. If they should join one, do I join both? Um, and this funding that comes through membership in these organizations could be used for marketing campaigns that promote our field as a whole. Um, however, because it's separated across two professional organizations, we probably have less funding going towards this than we could. Um, however, it may be more effective for individual state chapters to focus on this. So, um, but again, the problem just comes back to membership. Um, so for example, in New Jersey, we have, you know, X number of BCBAs and only a small portion of them are members of the professional organization NJABA in New Jersey. Um, so, you know, increasing that membership helps provide more funding for us as a field to lobby and market ourselves. So join your state and national <laughs> ABA organizations. Um, I think that really is truly one way that we can um, help to grow our field if we have almost like that united front of, okay, this is how, this is something that we all see as an issue. We all need to address. People need to know who we are and what we do. Um, so. Very interesting point. Awesome. And I like thinking about that. I feel like this question also could go to you too, Jill. So um, mm -hmm. like what changes do you think that we could do as a field as a whole? How can we market ourselves better? Sure. Those are really excellent points. And as a ABA as a field has had a real problem under being understood kind of straight from our beginning. Um, and currently some people know us and like what we do. Some people feel against what we do. And the rest have no idea what ABA even is or have never heard of it. Say no. um, this is... Most people are in that third category. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. So this is a huge problem. And I agree with the reasons you have said, Kara. Funding for marketing is a huge issue. We're also battling with insurance funding and coverage, licensure, being able to provide our services in schools, through Medicaid, and so on. So we have a lot of things that we're struggling and that we're kind of fighting for and, and fighting against. We have a lot against us that's taking precedence over marketing. However, marketing ourselves as a field might be the key to unlocking some of those other problems that I mentioned. So what can we do? Like Kara said, join your state and national APA organizations. I'm in complete agreement with that one. As individuals, I also think we need to hone in on our self-marketing skills. Get comfortable with that 30-second elevator pitch of what you do as a BCBA or a behavior therapist. 
getting comfortable with your own skin will get you to kind of put yourself out there and be able to show people around you what you do. Good point. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, good point, Scott. Awesome. Thank you. Um, all right. So I'm going to close with a question, another question for both of you. Um, what were some challenges that you faced while researching your debates for this particular topic? And uh, why don't we start with Kara? Go ahead, Kara. Yeah, um, I think the, the biggest issue is that there's just not a lot of literature on marketing in ABA. Um, a lot of the literature uh, related to business is on OBM and establishing practices within an organization that increase safety or ethical behavior across employees. Um, and even though advertising roots are in behavior analysis, it's not something that our field spends a lot of time thinking about or researching or even publishing on. Um, I would love to see more research personally on how a BCBA owned business or uh, maybe businesses in general are ethically marketing their businesses. Um, and what are the most successful practices out there? Um, because again, we can't just follow all the typical best practices for marketing because we have ethical guidelines to follow as well. And, you know, we're not the only organization that has an ethical set of ethical code that they need to follow. So, um, you know, I think it would be interesting to look at across different, um, different organizations. Point. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Kara. What about you, Joe? What do you think? This one was definitely a challenge. Uh, after putting it out there, we put it out there on ABA Facebook marketing uh, on that page. There were so many great points of view accompanied with great articles and research as well. So thank you to our community for sharing your thoughts and ideas. However, this was still a very thought provoking and challenging topic to be researched. It definitely proved more difficult than I thought it would be. Um, there are great articles out there that touch on running a a successful business, but I couldn't really find any articles that had what I was really looking for. And I think Kara and I are in agreement on this. Uh, it was helpful to reach out to the ABA community, but really there was nothing that said, here's how to fit within the BACB ethical confines. Um, mm -hmm. So it was, it was definitely challenging. So maybe there's a book offer in the works for you. Ah. <laughs> oh, awesome. We have so much time. I like them. We have oh, yeah. We'll just write a book. I'm in, I'm in for all it. eight children. I'll watch the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in for it. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people appreciate it. Um, all right. So uh, we're going to uh, wrap things up a little bit. So um, our last segments are our summary and our final focus. So we're going to, again, start with Kara. You're going to speak first. You have the floor. So let's close it up. Thank you. No worries. All right. So... To wrap it up, um, marketing and ABA business is challenging, um, partially because as a field, we haven't done a good job marketing ourselves. The general population doesn't really understand what we do and how we can help. Um, and those who do have some idea often think we only help young children with autism. Um, I've had potential new clients say things like, oh, you know, we've had ABA when my child was little, but it doesn't really work when they're older my head almost exploded. Yep. Um, and, you know, but again, this is not the client's fault. It's our fault. You know, it's ours as a field. We need to do a better job with communicating what behavior analysis is and how we can, as you said, Meg, make the world a better place. Um, as a BCBA and a business owner, it's even more difficult to market our business. We aren't able to use simple marketing strategies such as discounts, coupons, giveaways, um, 
we even have to be careful with current clients. We can't offer anything to show our appreciation for continuing to work with our company. Uh, BCBA-owned businesses are not only competing against non-BCBA-owned businesses, but against non-evidence-based treatments uh, designed to appeal to a parent's emotions. Um, I mean, who wouldn't want to go swim with the dolphins? Um, that's a whole lot easier <laughs> to market than 40 hours of intensive ABA. Um, you know, even yep. if we wanted to try and sell a quick solution to our clients, ethically, we really can't. Um, we can't do quick phone calls or use a chat box feature on our website to give answers or solve behavior problems. Um, human behavior doesn't have a quick fix. Um, it's complicated and selling a complicated, expensive service that people don't really understand is a challenge. Um, luckily, having amazing BCBAs and therapists who coach families along the way to develop um, really effective behavior change procedures helps clients to realize how beneficial our service is. Um, however, lots of the times the value of what we do isn't seen until after the client has received the services. And then we can't ask them to tell anyone about it. <laughs> so to summarize, uh, behavior analysis is an amazing field. And I think we need to come together and figure out how to market the field as a whole, which, which will in turn help more people contact our services and get the help that they need. Really great, really great points. And you really summarized it really well there. Um, so thank you so much. Thank All you. right, so I'm gonna switch over to Jill. Um, it's your turn to give your summary and your final focus. So you're gonna be representing the pro side as always and as throughout this whole uh, <laughs> debate, right? <laughs> what, what <laughs> so you're open to give your closing statement. You're, the floor is yours. Okay, so working for a company that holds itself to high standards and ethics is a great place to be. And that is a great point to reiterate. I too have heard parents say some of the same things that you mentioned. Non-scientific or database treatments are such a disservice to parents and families that would benefit from ethical ABA services. A good comeback from a parent telling you that ABA just doesn't work for my child might include a good elevator pitch, which would include mentioning ethics and evidence-based practice. Not everyone is going to give their undivided attention once our ABA jargon comes rolling out. So use the KISS method. Keep it simple, silly. There is an alternate <laughs> ending to that, but I like silly much better. Uh, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm being so nice. No. <laughs> I think that this will help when talking with families or individuals who don't know what we do or who don't understand. I think the part that is difficult is getting the parents of children in need of services to understand what ABA actually is and what it can do for their family and what makes a quality a provider of ABA services. There are great people out there that promote successful businesses as BCBAs, but it's worth noting, like we talked about, that one bad apple can really ruin the whole bunch. This causes our ethical board to be very strict about marketing and about testimonials. However, remember that we are not one of the bad apples. We behave ethically as practitioners and ABA professionals. Therefore, we should we know that we have to focus on the other marketing strategies available to us, such as social media marketing, YouTube videos, trainings, strong website that draws professionals and clients in. We also have to focus as heavily as we can on providing a quality service and allowing our clients and staff to market for us by communicating to friends and family how much they love and would recommend grand behavior services. Awesome. 
Again, it's a little plug at the end. I like it, Joe. Well done. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, ladies. You, you put so much thought into your thorough defense of your sides. I really appreciate um, all the time clearly and research that went into this. Um, you brought up so many great points and I don't consider these because I don't own my own business. So I think that it'll be eye-opening for a lot of our listeners. Um, so many areas that can trip us up ethically, right? So social media, testimonial, but I think there was definitely clear agreement that joining our national and state organizations, as well as um, working on that elevator pitch, as well as those longer in-depth conversations um, with anybody who will listen, right? So not just medical professionals, but anyone trying to disseminate our science. Um, there's actually, I'm gonna go even further back than the 1991 article, okay? I'm gonna go to 1985, um, an article out of the Journal of Business Ethics. It was titled, um, Defining Business Ethics Like Nailing Jello to a Wall. Right. <laughs> I thought that, that was pretty accurate. Um, there's so many nuanced scenarios that all require like very fluid ethical judgment. So I really appreciate you guys outlining a lot of the barriers to effectively marketing ABA business, but also really solid ways to do this um, ethically and effectively. So, all right, stay tuned listeners for our next ABA Ultimate Showdown episode. Look out for our next topic. We will share it on all of our social media formats. If you have ideas or topics for future debate, have respectful suggestions on ways we can improve this podcast, or if you are interested in being a guest debater, please email showdown at grambehavior.com. If you have enjoyed what you heard and you found your aha moment, please subscribe to our podcast. Visit our website at grambehaviorservices.com slash showdown. Like or follow Graham Behavior Services on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. We also have a YouTube channel. We're starting a Pinterest page. Everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Marketing, marketing everywhere. <laughs> um, I really would appreciate your thoughtful review on the platform that you listen to us. We are not trying to solicit any testimonials, <laughs> but if you are so inclined, you are more than willing, you are more, more than welcome to review us. Um, finally, we ask you guys, uh, all of our audience, two things. First, be respectful and thoughtful when you respond to other people and their ideas. Remember that everyone has a unique learning history that brought them to this moment. It's gonna make you a better person and further promote behavior analysis, like we were discussing. And number two, go forth and deliver good ABA. This podcast has been brought to you by Graham Behavior Services. Graham Behavior Services provides quality, comprehensive, evidence-based therapy to individuals with any behavior challenges or an autism spectrum disorder to create effective behavior change in themselves while empowering their families to help them pursue productive, purposeful, and fulfilling lives. Graham Behavior Services, professional, supportive, optimistic, proactive, compassionate, scientific, and trustworthy. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. I'm going to interrupt for a minute. Just a reminder that this episode was recorded in 2020. Our ethics codes have been updated. So your second code word for this ethics CE is 2022 code. 2022 space C-O-D-E. Check out the BACB's website for the... 2022 code that went into effect January 1st and the RBT ethics code 2.0 that also went into effect January 1st, 2022.
So when you are seeking guidance on this topic, make sure that you pull up the more current code than was in effect when we recorded this episode. If you want that ethics CE, hop on over to grahambehaviorservices.com slash showdown and you just earned yourself an ethics CE. Thank you for supporting our podcast and helping us be able to continue to bring programming to the ABA field.